0: Hey everybody, and welcome to another uh, BookTube episode. Uh, my name is David Walters, host of FanFi Addict, and uh, today I have with me author Stephen Graham Jones. Stephen, how are we doing tonight? We're doing great, man. Thanks.
1: Thanks Good. for having me.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, how, how are things in your neck of the woods? You're you're a professor, correct?
1: I am. Yeah, this was my first week of teaching. Actually, I have one in person class and then one. Remote class and the in person class is kind of fun. We're all sitting, you know, six feet apart from each other. It's a class that's rated for like 42 people, and we're only 10 people or 11 counting me. No, 10 counting me now. And it's good, man. It, we're all being safe, and it, we all got masks, so we have to like speak loudly and stuff, you know. Please tell me you're wearing the Voorhees mask. <laughs> <laughs> no, I found that my voice can't hardly get through that, man. But it, like Jason never needs to talk, so he doesn't need to have a voice that projects through the mask holes, you know. Right, right. He's just yeah. got to have you know a deep, threatening,
0: you know, bre- you know, breathing, heavy breathing. Yeah, yeah.
1: He <laughs> he, 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 spe- he
0: speaks with his machete. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I know, I know what you mean about the about school. So my wife's a, a first grade teacher, and she's turn to leave until after Labor Day, but she's uh, been kind of intermittently going up there to get her sub plans and stuff ready for the fa- you know, following days. And uh, yeah, they're they're doing all in person right now with a couple of kids doing virtual learning. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's crazy because they're, they've, they've like doubled or tripled the amount of work that the teachers have to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the kids are in the classroom except for about 15 minutes where they get to go to recess.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I mean they eat lunch in there and everything. I was like, I can't I mean I could do that, you know, I could see high school being okay yeah. with that. But yeah,
1: yeah. man, you know, seven, eight year olds. <laughs> oh man, for sure. It's hard to and it's hard to get like the little kids to um to remember from minute to minute that they're socially distancing, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they went from uh from twenty kids, I think they're down to fifteen, and we yeah. uh, went and like measured out six feet between desks and so forth, which it's kind yeah. of the- because you know elementary classrooms really aren't that big anyway uh and so and then you know on top of that they've got like these little hooks for their masks and they've got a little a little bin next to it which has zip tied to all the desks they can put all their stuff
1: in like their lunch box and stuff yeah yeah trying to keep kids away from each other is
0: Possible,
1: <laughs> you know, there's another thing now that we're talking about this. There's an old story by Dan Simmons called This Year's Class Picture, and it's about a teacher who is pushing through and teaching during a pandemic. It's a really good story, too. I really, you, yeah, I suggest you and everybody check it out. It's really good, man.
0: Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so just kind of first and foremost, just uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah. you know, obviously, we know your name, but kind of how, yeah. how you into writing and then uh, kind of how you got to this point in your career in writing
1: yeah i am stephen graham jones um man i'm it's a long story how i got into writing um i always meant to be a farmer that's all and uh well either a farmer or manual labor that's the only two things i was ever cut out for you know and so now i've got like somewhere above 25 books and this one the only good indians is the most recent one and night of the mannequins is out come what is it tuesday out tuesday yeah and they're both slashers. My next novel coming out, which I can't really speak about except for in the Vegas terms, I'm kind of under a gag order, is also a slasher. I think I have two slashers coming out, really, actually. And um, slashers are what's closest to my heart, you know? So, I mean, what started me writing, um, I, I mean, I don't know. The reason I still write, maybe that's a way I can narrow the question down a little bit, is because I like to hide from the world. You know, the world is confusing to me, the world does not make sense. But on the page, if I do everything right, I can make the world make sense. And because I like the world to make sense, I hide on the page as much as I can. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Yeah, and, and what 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 is it particularly about slashers? Because
0: I know you've written quite a few. Yeah. Yeah. Your most recent you, releases are, are pretty indicative of that. So Yeah,
1: for sure. And the upcoming. Um slashers, you know, I got hooked on slashers when I was in eighth grade. I was living in Wemberley, Texas, right outside Austin, back when it was like a little place. I guess it's still a little in comparison for a lot of people, but it's you know, it's a lot bigger now, anyways. And um, I got to running with this group of uh, eighth graders who somebody had an end at the video rental store. So every Friday, we'd you know trape from school to the video rental store and come out with a stack of um, six Freddie, Michael, Jason slashers, and we'd go out to another friend's house. He had his house was way out in the trees and um, along a creek, and he had a separate garage. And his dad had put an old couch and a little like 13-inch TV in there with a VCR. And VCRs were still, to us, kind of new technology back then. And, and we'd put those VHS tapes in and we would watch Jason, Michael, and Freddie do their thing. And we'd scream and, you know, cringe and hide behind the couch. And it was gory and terrible and wonderful all at the same time. Then come along, come about two in the morning, I guess, his dad, the guy who owned the, the guy whose garage we ran, he would put on a Freddie glove and come out to the garage and scrape those plastic claws down the middle garage. And that was a terrifying sound. And we knew it was him too, you know, because he was always doing this. And knowing it was him didn't change it even a little bit. It was still just as terrifying because um, he wasn't a completely trustworthy guy. You know, he <laughs> might, just, he might be taking it for real tonight, you know, and, and, and we would, um we would just pile up the side of that garage and run through the the blackness and, For some reason, if we could jump in the creek, that meant we were safe. You know, I don't know why the creek is supposed to be safe from slashers, but that's what we thought. And that that feeling of just running blind through the darkness with tears going out of my eyes and a smile on my face, to me that hooked me for the rest of my life on slashers. That feeling of screaming and laughing kind of in the same um response, you know. That's that's what I that's what I look for on the page. That's what I want on the page when I inhale stuff, you know? And so when I'm putting stuff on the page, that's, that's what I want to do as well. If I can.
0: Yeah. And, it, and it's almost, you know, it, it's, it's nice that you write what you love. It's not, it's not, you know, you're not going, okay, what, what, what does everybody like? Okay. I've got to run mm-hmm. like that. You know, you just you mm-hmm. kind of you kind of go what speaks to me. I'm going to put it down. Okay. I love this. It's, you know, awesome yeah. Stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, at the, at the same time though, um, Talking about like I've I've heard people saying that that this is like the front edge of a slasher mini boom or renaissance or whatever, you know, a resurgence of the slasher. And I, I hope oh. it is for sure, because I'll definitely ride that until it goes out, you know. But um <laughs> but um I wonder if like our our impulse towards the slasher right now, if it, if it's there, if it's not just me, isn't isn't that we're trying to find solace in horror in trying times, you know, social, political, environmental unrest, all that stuff. I wonder if it's that. In the land of the slasher, and like an, in a slasher reality, the magic of it, what what draws what's so attractive to it to me is that wrong is punished. Slashers are inherently fair worlds. If you do wrong, 10 years later somebody's coming for you. And he, he might be wearing a mask, he might be a monster, who knows? It might be your best friend. But the you're gonna the scales of balance are gonna be the scales of justice are gonna be balanced. And mm-hmm. And I think in today's world we see so much injustice that we can hide in a slasher where the world is fair and feel whole, you know? It feels like this is a place I could possibly live. Um, at the same time, slasher slasher worlds are dangerous places to live because you cut somebody off in traffic and you know that night there's a slasher in your closet cutting your head off, you know? And you're like, I didn't deserve this. I maybe deserve to get cut <laughs> off, you know? But not cut off, man. Right,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it, What's so nuts, you know, you you say that, but road rage is is something else. Uh, you know, it, and I feel like it's just gotten worse over the past few years. But I just feel like uh, anger is just running really mm-hmm. this year. I mean, I know twenty twenty has not obviously yeah. been right this year. I mean, we've we've kind of gone from low to low to low, uh, and just continued mm-hmm. that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like any, any little thing is going to push somebody over the edge and you're right. You know, somebody will follow you home and be with a tire iron in your driveway. You just never know. And, and you're kind of right. Uh, I mean, there are a little, a lot of, uh, I guess I would say a lot of slashers, but there's several slashers coming out at least here in the mm-hmm. next few months or in the previous month or two. I know uh, Adam Césaire's, uh Clinton mm-hmm. Field" just came out. Um, that was, that was phenomenal. I, they, yeah. they 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 put it out as
1: a, as ya but i mean it's yeah. honestly for everybody I, I thought it was no famous, but, um yeah it, not. that's a it's a ball, it ball, ball. It's, no. yeah 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 it's a it's a wonderful story and and that it, it is interesting that it's marketed as ya because you're right it does go everywhere um yeah. but the, you know the, the slasher i mean no matter how gory or really what content it's got in it it really is large it's it's quite often a high school story you know so it, it is kind of like targeting the issues that are central to the high school demographic you know i think and mm-hmm. and um, that, i'm totally happy with that you know i, I mean I, you see like so called grown up slashers every once in again like the first season of slasher it was kind of a grown up slasher and then of course there's slashers in college but that's not there's not really it's kind of like a big smear from high school to college you know it's you're still in class mm-hmm. you still have teachers and all that stuff um i kind of have i'd be interested in setting a slasher I'm in the higher age range. I think that'd be pretty cool. I think it would change the dynamics, you know? Put, put put one in like a like a nursing home? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, got, I've, got, I've got one like that. I'll out. I just need to find time to write it. I, but to say, I think you might be the first
0: person to do that. So definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely go in that territory. Um, so I do have a, a question. It's it's an interesting one. Um, and, you know, uh, and, and Missy's asking, so how do you feel when the speculative fiction community links you with an author, say like Rebecca Roanhorse? She says... Mm-hmm. You write horror and she writes fantasy, but everybody seems to kind of pair you guys together.
1: Mm. You know, Rebecca and I are with the same publisher, so that's one reason we probably get paired. We have the same editor even, and we're also friends, and um, we're also both native. And I think it's probably that we're both native which is what gets us paired the most often, probably people may not, may not even realize we have the same publisher, you know? And um, no, I love being paired with Rebecca is great. I mean, I'm just riding her coattails if that, whenever that <laughs> happens, you know, cause she's blasting yeah. off into the stratosphere, you know, and she's, yeah. she's so good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, f- I feel like she, uh, I'm not, I, I just think that she came out of, out of nowhere, but I, I feel like, and I can't, is it, is it trail the lightning? I can't remember. That's the, the first one. one yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that one kind of hit hard and then, it just was like, you know, explosions everywhere. And then, you know, she's got the yep. new novel coming out from Saga uh, yep. pretty soon. So, yeah. But I, I think it's kind of neat. I mean, I mm-hmm. you don't, you don't want to look at it as because you're both native. That's the reason that you guys are paired together. You want to mm-hmm. cause you're great writers and you're doing well and, and, you know, with your, uh, with your publishers and so forth. But, you know, do, do you feel that that's, that's going to continue to be a thing like that people are just paired together based on, heritage or race or do you feel like you know it's it's going to end up being oh they're really great writers and they both right.
1: write a publisher you, you know, know that, that you always want to get paired or just you always want to like show up places because of your writing instead of because of who you are you know mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah I think it'll probably keep happening and I think the reason it'll keep happening is just because of the way um, magazines and newspapers have like they have like they'll have like 15 writers pitching stories to them And the writers have to find an angle in, you know, and those writers, Mm -hmm. sometimes the angle that's going to get the stamp of approval of a green light to go ahead and do this will be um, these two, these four, these six native writers are changing the world in this way or pushing back against this or whatever it is, you know? And I think, those are the kind of stories that probably tend to get greenlit more because people realize that there's been a lack of diversity, and I mean, in all the fields, not just in publishing and not just in speculative fiction. But um, mm-hmm. so in some sense, those kind of articles can, I don't know, not act as a corrective, but they can at least um make the problem louder. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because
0: and and I'm also uh, I'm curious to know this. This is a completely separate question. Um, mm-hmm. do you feel like? The only good Indians, uh, I mean, obviously with it being your newest release, do you feel like that's kind of kind of bumping you up even more than where you were with all of your last releases? I feel like it's gotten maybe the most love out of all of your other novels. Maybe, maybe yep. not, maybe not in a- its actual um, you know, maybe like not awards and stuff, but I feel like mm-hmm. in your Amazon reviews you went up super quick, your Goodreads. Mm-hmm. Up super quick. And you had a lot of really early phenomenal reviews and blurbs.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like that, that, that is maybe, you know, your best, yeah. selling best work today? No, it's definitely my best selling. And the one that's had the longest legs and the longest tail too, you know, it's still, it's still making the rounds. It's, um, what, five or six weeks after publication. It's still in the, you know, the, our sphere of awareness, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it has, and the trick is, as a writer, you don't really get to choose which of your um, books are going to accidentally have a surprise rocket booster under them. You know, you think every one of them deserves a rocket booster under them, of course. And right, um, yeah. So I don't. I just all I do is I just write the best book I can, and then sometimes, like like with now with Saga, I end up with both an editor and a well, an editor, a publisher, and a publicist or a marketing department who are all in sync. You know, that doesn't mm-hmm. always happen. Um, like um, with Mongrels, Mongrels, um, it, it, before it came out, the editor had taken another job somewhere else. So the book was kind of orphaned, which is, means it's kind of languishing between people, you know, and falling between the cracks and departments and stuff. And um, I've had that happen a lot. I've had, I've had books get orphaned before publication. And um, luckily not this time. And, and I plan on being with this publisher and this editor for a good long time. So hopefully we can do it again and again. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I just just being in like the the book review
0: world uh, for a while, I, I've noticed how publishing, you know, people change all the time. Like positions change, people go to different publishers. And they may be there for six months and transition to something else. And yeah, yeah, but it, it's constantly changing. There's only a few publishers. I think I've kept the same person for a couple of yeah. years.
1: Yeah, I mean, the trick is in the publishing industry, of course, you want to climb. You know, you want the corner office or the better paycheck or the bigger title or whatever it is. But it's really hard to go up the ladder in your own building, say. But so you have to mm-hmm. go to the building beside you to go up one level and then to the building over here to go up another level. So you just you kind of go like all over Manhattan to yeah. be able to get up to that corner office you want, which is that's just the way the industry is. It's not nothing bad about it. You know, it's, it's probably not the only industry that's like that, too.
0: Yeah, you know, I, just, I feel like it's uh, you kind of stayed a lot more because you know all of a sudden you're emailing with a publicist or uh, you know somebody in in you know, in marketing or something. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, they're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I don't work here anymore. I'm now mm-hmm. at or I'm now at yeah. Yeah. or something." And you're just like,
1: "Oh, so okay, <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll follow
0: you there and find somebody else." I
1: guess you know. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's nice. I mean, after a while of doing that, you kind of know everybody too, you know, <laughs> which is kind of nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and it's, and it's probably nice as an author, too, because you can you know who to shop your books to, depending on yeah. where you're at. And, you know, if, if say, you know, you, you published a book with, you know, say, Del Rey, and then your, you know, your editor there moved to, to Tor, you're like, okay, well, maybe I could get something with Tor, yeah. or I could at least, you know, submit another story there. Which, you know, I guess, yeah. with them changing things, I mean, authors are always all over the place with publishers, too. Not always, you know. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, the Stephen Kings of the world, state, you know, it's pretty much one and done. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I see several jumping from HarperCollins to Tor to, you know, Penguin yeah. or sometimes doing self-publishing and then sometimes doing smaller presses. So yeah. Do, yeah. Do you, um, I've, I've had a few authors like Josh and He says that he'll uh, he's kind of keeping this thing where he drops one novel and one novella a year. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you ever envision yourself doing that or do you just
1: push it um, out?
0: Hope it, hope it releases when it does.
1: Yeah, I just let it release whenever the publisher and my agent think is good. But um, it probably will come out to some version of that, yeah. Um, like right now, I have a big backlog of novels I've written, and so they'll be they'll be coming out. And um, more novellas, too, so I imagine it will become staggered like that. Novel, the novella, the novel, and with a collection in there as well. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, so how many
0: how – many, uh, let, let's, let's, let's start this way. How many novels have you have you published so far? How many no, novellas have you published so far? And how many mm-hmm. stories have you published? Because I know it's
1: it's mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's hard to – I never know how to count. I think for novels it's probably about 24, 25 that I've published. And it could be 26, somewhere between 24 and 26, I'm thinking. And I'm um, – one of those is um, co-written with Paul Tremblay. So I never know does I count as a half and do I have to wait till I have another co-written for it to be one, I don't know. Um, and then I have um, three standalone novellas published, um, Sterling City, Mapping the Interior and Not of the Mannequins as of um, September 1st. And uh, let me think, I have five or six story collections published, I guess. I'm not sure about that, somewhere around there. And as for short stories, about a year, year and a half ago, um, I did count them up, and it was like three hundred and twenty-five or thirty-five, somewhere around there. And I've published a, I've published a few since then. And um, yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think the first story I ever read by you was um, a tour.com short story that you read. I think was it the night cyclist? Yeah, yeah,
1: that's a night. Nice, yeah, night cyclist. Yeah, nice, 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 yeah nice. I, um,
0: it's it's kind of when I first got into. I guess reading tour.com novellas and I, and mm-hmm. I they had kind of like a short fiction section. You could just go on the mm-hmm. website and find stories and uh yeah. the cover drew me in kind of like, I mean, you know, granted I was already a fan of yours, but kind of how the good, you know, all the good Indians drew me in. And I feel like that's maybe why the book is partially why the book is doing so well. It's a very, I mean, it's a very standout cover. Yeah. I, mean, it's, I haven't seen, I haven't seen many like it. It's, yeah. it's, the antlers just kind of get you.
1: <laughs> they do, yeah, and they, and they give it like texture too. It's got yeah, it feels like, is the is embossed the right word or something like that? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, <laughs> so you know, I, I talked to you like a, a week or two ago about mm-hmm. getting a copy, and uh, and and when I got it in, I just kind of unwrapped it. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so awesome! And set it to the side. and only today when I picked it up, and I go, that's nice. <laughs> it's, it's nice having, you know different textures on the cover.
1: Um, yeah. And I've noticed when people, when, when people take pictures of it to post it online, depending on what angle it is, the antlers look different, which is pretty cool, you
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. And I like how they uh, they have the, I think the paperback edition was, you know, kind of a different angle. Uh, oh, it, really? The, maybe it was like the UK release. I oh, believe. yeah, it is. Yeah,
1: the type. Yeah, of it's, it's like on
0: the, I think it's on the front instead of on the yeah. side. Which is, which it is, yeah. Is, um,
1: yeah. And okay, I, believe, so. I believe I believe, I believe, believe it wraps around to the back cover, too. I haven't seen it yet. Um, it's been in the mail forever with our mail being slow right now. But, um, yeah, it's really cool. I like that.
0: Hold on one second. My dog has decided
1: that he's just going to come hang
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down. He's trying to sniff every single book in my office that he possibly <laughs> Um Okay, so just kind of um, what we'll, we'll kind of starts – I can't remember. Was Mongrels – Mongrels was before mapping, correct?
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Okay. so so mongrels this is actually the first full-length novel that i read by you and it's probably mm-hmm. the best werewolf story that i've ever read Thank um you. can you can you talk a little bit about it um and maybe uh why you decided werewolves i mean i, I feel like i feel like you don't really fit into a mold as far as what you're right. i mean i know you're more mm-hmm. kind of slasher but um, you know, what why werewolves and uh you know kind of what can people expect from that novel
1: Oh, mongrels is the story of, it's um, some werewolves trying to make it, you know, my issue with werewolves that I read in the books and see on screen is I always wonder what do they do the next morning? I mean, how do they, um, how do they pass the credit check down at the car lot? You know, what do they do about these, this 52nd pair of ripped jeans this year? And so I wanted my werewolves, werewolves to have to, deal with that daily existence, which is my way of making them real. Cause I always wished werewolves were real. I still wish werewolves were real. I wouldn't want to meet one in a dark alley, but I still wish that they happened. And for me to believe in a werewolf, it has to adhere to conservation of mass. Like it, it can't, uh, like a 160 pound woman can't become a nine foot tall, 380 pound werewolf because where does that extra muscle and everything come from? And by the same, by the same token, when she transforms back what happens to all of the, the extra 200 and whatever pounds you know is there just a pile of fat steaming there on the ground and um and so i, I had to make the werewolves actually make actually make as much like biological physical sense as i could you know i mean it's it, to tell you the truth they're not going to make sense ever but i tried to make them make as much sense as i could you know and and yeah mongrels is it feels like i mean I didn't know I was writing a novel when I was writing Mongrels. I thought I was just writing some werewolf stories, and then I realized, wait, if I put them kind of in an order and give them the same, give the people the same names, then it's a novel, you know. And so I started, I started writing the novel.
0: I gotcha. Yeah, it, it's interesting, you know, having to see werewolves eke out an existence. <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah, and I think, uh, you know, now now you need to write like a like a uh, a story about the Incredible Hulk about how he goes from you know
1: got, yeah yeah.
0: To, to the massive things that, and where all that goes.
1: Yeah. No, the movies sure, obviously
0: don't do it justice.
1: No, they don't. No, no, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean, he has the gamma radiation going on. So maybe that explains everything. I don't know. Gamma radiation can do a lot in the Marvel universe, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. It just, it just, it just kind of separates it into an alternate universe. Than it yeah.
1: Can
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So second up uh, is from tour.com. It's mapping the interior. Um, I read it a couple of summers ago. Uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it, it's, it's like, you know, when you don't have synonyms sitting in front of you when you're writing a review, it's hard to just like think, so we'll just keep saying phenomenal or fantastic. Um, but yeah, uh, talk, talk a little bit about it. Um, you know, I know it's it's yeah. more of like a ghost story uh, mm-hmm. and uh, super creepy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, where where you came up with the idea for that story.
1: Uh, Map in the Interior, like, I wanted to tell a ghost story. I haven't told many ghost stories, really. and But the problem I always have with ghost stories is ghosts are just inherently not scary. I mean, a ghost can startle you and make you drop drop your saucer of milk or whatever you're carrying and, you know, whatever you're carrying down a hallway, if you see a ghost, drop it, you know? And, and that's terrible, but you, so you break a cup, you break a saucer, who cares? You spill some milk. And the scary, the scary thing that ghosts usually do is they tell you some information you don't necessarily want, you know, they a secret about someone or something that was done to them when they weren't a ghost whatever it is. And you, you like your life was going along fine, but now you're burdened with this information, you know. And now my dogs are going off. Um, you're and on. yeah, um, but so what I wanted to do with Map and Interior was find a way to make a ghost actually threatening other than with information, you know. And so what I had to do then was make the ghost be slowly working its way back to corporality to having a body, you know. And then I had to come up with mechanisms for that to work. and, the novel just told itself, you know, or the novella told itself, I
0: guess. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, got a question for you. Uh, have you been approached uh, to have any of your novels made into movies or maybe even TV yeah. shows? For sure. Yeah, a lot, a lot of them. Yeah. 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 I mean, any, anything like even on the on the horizon for those or is it
1: all still talk or – um, yeah, let's, yeah, I'll, I'm not supposed to say stuff, so it's also, let's say it's, still <laughs> <talk>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still on the
0: table It's basically, yeah, yeah, awesome, yeah. yeah, can you, can you say which one?
1: No, better not. Oh, uh, of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in, case, in case you
0: get our hopes up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. man, um, all right, so, uh so we'll talk about the only good Indians. I know we talked a little about it uh, when I had you on the podcast several months Mm. ago, obviously way before publication date, Mm. Uh, but I mean, I, I'll just say like, as soon as I got an e of it, I mean, I just devoured Mm. it. Um, I I don't know. I may have been one of the first people to read it outside of Mm. publishers and publishers jazz. Um, But you know, it, it, it kind of, it, it struck me really quickly um, and it, and it, it really is engaging uh, on top of being super horrifying uh, because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, he, you know, your main character is seeing these visions or what he thinks are visions and mm-hmm. you kind of see them yourself. Cause you're, you're very descriptive uh, on how this, this creature, mm-hmm. the creature not the story, buddy, um, you know, kind of appears uh, and, you know, the only thing that I think that got to me was how it was kind of split about halfway. Mm-hmm. uh I kind of feel like you're reading one story and then there's a little, mm-hmm. bit but continuing on, you really get more of the background. It all kind of comes to fruition, you know, toward the end. So did you, did you kind of set out to write maybe two kind of separate stories mm-hmm. that kind of culminate or, you know, were you, Working on one thing and working on another thing, and then just kind of
1: like uh, mongrels, kind of ended up one thing. I was just I was just working on one thing, and I didn't really know if I was what I was writing, if it was going to be a novella or a novel or just a partial novel. Who knew what was going to happen? But um, um, my favorite thing when I'm reading a a book is like to to get to page like 120 or whatever, and then something happens on page 120, and I sit back in my seat and I'm like, oh crap. And I can feel that there's like 180 pages left and I can't imagine how the story can keep going because this just happened. And mm-hmm. like that's how I felt when I, read, when I read Gone Girl, you know it has that like big acceleration or that escalation in the middle or that hinge point I guess I would call it. And everything changes and I was like, this can't go on. I don't see how this can possibly go on but also I had to know, you know and I love that feeling when I'm reading. And so I thought in this book I'd try to do something in that same arena, you know. I gotcha.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because like I said, I, I was kind of interested because you know, you're right. It, it kind of hit like a point, mm-hmm. and then like, oh, did, do we stop? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't have quite the same reaction. I don't go. Well, now where is he going to go from here? I just kind of go, <laughs> what in the world can be next? You know? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and and I go, okay, I think I see what he's doing here. And then as <laughs> it, it only takes you know five or so pages, and you kind of go, oh, I, I kind of see where he's going, and you know. Almost get, it's almost like you get a two for one deal.
1: <laughs> yeah, hopefully that—that's the idea. Like two
0: stories in one book.
1: Yeah, I mean that—that's what I—I I mean, just if you think of um, readers as consumers, everybody wants to get a bargain. And if you get two, if you get if you pay for one thing and feel like you're getting two things, and you want to steal away and hide it, hide it, you know, and read it, read it in a corner, all secret and special, you know. Right. But, yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> now I have to know: do you uh, do you ever? you know, after the editing process and mm-hmm. after, you know, you, you send your final edits in you're like, okay, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I having to, you know, do readings and so forth. Do mm-hmm. you ever actually reread your novels or do you, do you listen to them on audio?
1: This one I did listen to it on audio because I wanted to hear what Sean Taylor Corbett did with it. And he did amazing stuff. I thought, um, the only of my novels that I've listened to on audio are this one and the last final girl. Yeah, I haven't listened to any of the other ones, and um, I guess I don't know. I probably had about I don't know half of my books, maybe maybe not maybe not quite half, t- you know, turned out in audio. And um, but this is uh, this one of the audio of this is just stand out. I think I was really impressed, and also it reminded me of the story, you know, because like I had like I wrote Good Indians it feels like forever ago and i've written two or three books since then at least and so it was kind of like way in my rearview mirror and but listening to it again in the audio production put it all back in my head in a wonderful way you know
0: yeah i find it interesting as a reader and you know even even with you know you know the ability for you know running a blog i'm able to read books you know months in advance it's Mm -hmm. It's weird hearing like, oh, yeah, I wrote the book like three or five years ago. It feels <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like so fresh. And, and, and you know, we said, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, the author literally just finished it and it's going to come out <laughs> six months after they're done and everything. There's yeah. really a process to that. I mean, obviously, knowing kind of the ins and outs of the business somewhat, you know, I know kind of how long it takes to go from writing a book to actually getting it to the editor, mm-hmm. actually getting it to a publisher. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry sorry from you to your agent to a publisher to an editor you know uh, to the shelf yeah a long, long process but you know it, it just feels so quick when you're mm-hmm. a reader um,
1: yeah for sure you know of my one of my novels i wrote it it was my second novel I ever wrote i think i wrote it in 1999 it didn't come out until 2006 you know and that was a that was a big old break <laughs> <laughs> Um
0: how long, how long I guess from uh from you finishing the Only good indians to actually it being you know i guess sold and so forth mm-hmm. how, how long did how long did it take to write the novel
1: you know let me i'm tabbing over right now um i'm going to actually look at my file so i can look at the timestamp on it let's see Here i go um it's the fun part about doing this live right yeah for <laughs> sure right um um Elk, elk, I'm looking. I'm looking. 2019. That's wrong. Um. 2018. So you haven't saved it, saved it or elk? Is that what you said? Yeah, just elk. Yeah, I always I always <laughs> name things like stupidly, and I never can find stuff either. Well, I mean that would make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm still looking. I'm, yeah. I've, got, I'm not, sure. I've got like. I've got like it looks like about twenty eight elk files. This is maybe you know it had a different title. Let me see if it's under its different title. Ah, uh, um, it's not what was the, what was the original title? It's one of the chapter titles now, where the old ones go. Ooh. Yeah, like um, are you gonna reuse that title? I probably. I mean, well, now that it's been a chapter title, I don't know if I can or not. I mean, I can legally. I don't know if I can. I like, say, okay, uh, but no, nobody will know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Nobody pays attention to chapter titles. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am not finding it. I don't know. I was. I thought I could tell you. I, I would guess. I would guess that I wrote it in 2017, if I had to guess. But it could have been the front part of 2018. You know, I don't know. So do you do you write several
0: books a year, or several, I guess, stories a year, and just kind of shelve them, and then when you feel you, one's
1: ready to go, you send it off. You know, I, I do write a lot of stuff and I just, as soon as I'm finished with it, I send it to my agent and she works with me and we make it better and better. And sometimes she'll say, this is the one we're going out with or that's the one we're going out with. And I just trust her on that because she has a, like more objectivity and also she's like more in touch with the market and everything than I am. So she knows what will move better. And so the stuff that she doesn't send out, we do just kind of keep it on the back burner for when the time is right or, or to roll it into another deal or something like that.
0: I gotcha. Yeah, I was always curious, you know, when you
1: have a backlog mm-hmm. of, of titles, kind of, kind of, you know, I,
0: I know, uh, I mean, again, throwing Mallerman out there, because I, I talked to him last December, you know, and, and you've seen pictures of him, you know, where he's just got all of his manuscripts just laid mm-hmm. out. And he's like, which one am I going to pick this week? And It's almost like throwing the dart. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no. He, he does, you know, like I said, the yeah. one, novella, one novella, but, you know, I'm always interested, in, you know, do you just have them kind of like stashed away? And you're like, you know, mm-hmm. what? What should we do next? You know, but that's hearing that you know your editor's like, I think this one will work better. Let's hold off
1: on yeah. that. Yeah, and uh, the bad thing is, I write stuff. I write novels, and I forget that I've written them. So I just they're in my directory, <laughs> and I don't I, like. I, as I was saying, I name stuff so stupidly, and um, so I just never open that file again. And so there's all these like surprise novels on my hard drive, you know.
0: Yeah. So do, do you, um, do you ever find yours or you think you'll find yourself like outside of like horror or slashers or anything? Yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you feel like you'll write some science fiction or fantasy
1: or mystery?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I guess well, mystery, I mean, that, thriller in there
0: cause you're already written thrillers. So
1: yeah, I've done, I've done thriller. I've done crime. I've done, um, kind of experimental. I've done straight literary. Um, I've done science fiction. I I, I hope to do fantasy at some point. I hope to get my mind like working in a way where I can do fantasy. And uh, yeah, no, I don't want to, I mean, horror is my first love and I consider myself a horror writer, but I like to play in all the fields. You know, like um, years ago, I was on a panel with Joe Lansdale and somebody in the audience in the Q&A period asked him what genre do you write in Joe? And he said, I write the Joe R. Lansdale genre. And that's what I want. I want my answer to be that. I mean, I would love to write in Joe's genre. Don't get me wrong, but I want to write right. in, Graham, in the Stephen Graham Jones genre. You know,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm always curious because uh, people like to obviously state labels on authors. Um, mm-hmm. They like to say, Oh, he's a horror author. Or, oh, he only write fantasy. Um, it's always interesting to see people branch out. And now, you know, some people branch out from just why you know, writing straight YA to trying to do mm-hmm. it and kind of overdo it. So I'm always curious if you try to venture into fantasy, do you, do you feel like you're going to be, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of take a step back, not try to overdo it, uh, mm-hmm. and kind of write something, see how it does. And if it does well, then I'll do something else. And if it doesn't,
1: I've always got horror as a backup. <laughs> um, no, I mean for me, horror will always be the first thing. I'll never consider it a backup. But um, you know, with I think with fantasy, when and if, if I write a fantasy novel, I'll just swing for the fences, and it probably won't be like a like a easy fantasy novel. It'll be something challenging, and it'll probably have a lot of blood in it too. I suspect. Um, like I like the one that. the one fantasy story I have published is called When Swords Had Names, and it's a story about a guy who. Um realizes that the meat or the muscle that is like in a in a in a centaur you know you have a man and a horse, and this guy finds that the meat between right where the man and the horse meat is the best bite of all, so he goes around trying to eat that killing centaurs and get that meat you know um so in my fantasy it'll probably be something you know in that similar vein, very bloody <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a,
0: that's a very interesting, I'll have to find that. That's a very interesting uh, <laughs> um, So I got a question for you. Uh, how do you combat writer's block?
1: Um, I, You know, I never, maybe I've never experienced it, or maybe I call it something different. But to me, writer's block is just setting your standards too high, you know? And like I never have a lack of ideas, and I don't always know where the story's going next. You do hit walls in projects, but you just bang away at the wall and you get under it, you get over it, you get through it. It's it's just work, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But um, I never sit down and have the words not come. The words are always there. I'm never afraid I'm going to run out of juice. You know, the The words are there, the ideas are there. My only concern is, well, I have enough time to get them all down, you know, or get some of them down anyways.
0: Yeah. Do you uh, do you have like a set daily routine that you do? I mean, I know it's kind of difficult being a professor mm-hmm. and so forth and yeah. also trying yeah. to right but do you you know when you when you decide that you want you're going to sit down to write do you have to do something particular
1: before you start writing and do you type or do you handwrite i definitely type and i guess i can show you my weird keyboard if it'll stretch this high will it yeah see i don't know if you can see it's Uh, kind of weird yeah yeah Yeah. um, um but man i am back and it's like telepathy or telekinesis kind of a combination of the two it's like my fingers i don't have to think about my fingers my thoughts just appear on the screen which is really nice and um, when I when I do longhand, when I go back to look at it, there's always like um, numbers mixed in with the letters. And like I've got all this like I've taken I've had a lot of head trauma, so things aren't wired right. You know, so I'll spill I'll there with a three and a and a X, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So typing is the way to go for me. Um, I don't have a schedule. I never have had a schedule. I'm always waiting to grow up and have a schedule, but uh, I just steal I just steal time whenever I can and or whenever i need to hide from the world also like when there's chores that need doing the lawn needs mowing the old needs change whatever it is then i always sneak in here and i'm writing i'm writing i can't do all that stuff you know but um because <laughs> i don't like to do stuff i like to write writing is playing with dragons and who wouldn't want to play with dragons rather than mow the grass you know mowing the grass who cares if the grass gets mown? yeah i don't think it, i don't think the grass cares you know
0: it doesn't it'll either just keep growing or burn out.
1: <laughs> um all right, so so for
0: those who haven't read The Only Good Indians, can you can you give like a maybe a brief sell on uh on why people should read it and what
1: it's about? Yeah. Well, I don't know why you should read it, but I can tell you what it's about. The only good Indians is um four guys are out in the field after Elk one afternoon before Thanksgiving. They're up in the Blackfeet Reservation and they think it's their last day they'll get to get to go out in the field together so all bets are off whatever fills their freezer is the right thing to do and that leads them to kind of commit a trespass against not only the elk but their community they're basically taking food off of someone else's plate or keeping somebody else's freezer empty anyways and they leave that day and i mean they get a slap on the wrist but nothing bad happens and 10 years later something bad is starting to happen. Something remembers that day a lot better than they do. And the hunters are becoming the hunted basically. And I guess the other, other way to sell it is that there's a lot of basketball in it. So if basketball (laughs) is something you want to read about, this is the novel for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I'll go with it. I mean, I I remember it being a lot more uh, horrifying than that, but yeah, we'll we'll go with that. But uh, but yeah. So and that one's out now. That one actually uh, just came out uh, not too so long mm-hmm. ago. And now mm-hmm. uh, next Tuesday we have Night of the Mannequins. Uh, so for yep. another novella from uh, tour.com dot uh, Actually, I, I got my arc, and then I got a. I went ahead and did the Nightworms box, so I could get a get me a little signed copy. So oh, uh, nice. So you you got the you got the
1: final Oh, uh, yeah. uh, you I, know I don't have a final copy yet, so it's neat that it's neat that like you know six hundred people have the final copy and I don't. You know, that's (laughs) kind of cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So, kind of you know back back to your love of slashers. Uh, This is definitely a slash fest uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Really, uh, doesn't really start out that way and takes a you know completely different twist than you really. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell tell us a little bit about Night of the Mannequins. Kind of how you came up with the story idea. And uh, and again, what we can expect next
1: Tuesday? You know, the story idea—if there was a story idea—just mannequins are scary. That was my story idea, you know. And wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't it suck if a wouldn't it suck if a mannequin was killing you, you know? And um, and I think it would. So I wrote the I wrote the novella, but it's a hard as you of course know. It's a hard novella to um to sum up because there's spoily stuff, you know. But I can give away yeah. a little bit of the premise, anyways. It's um these kids. When they were 12 years old they're in high school now when they were 12 they found a mannequin down at the kind of dry creek bed and it was their best friend for the summer they played with it it did all their pranks with them it was the best friend they could have and then they forgot about it and they left it in the garage and until they bring it out for one last big prank down at the movie theater they set it up in the theater to surprise the manager to kind of put the manager off his game or the assistant manager i should say and and at the end of that movie, the prank turns around on them, and for the rest of the novel, it really turns around on them. And a whole lot of people did. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like many people were left alive in your books. No, no, there's not like part, <laughs> part two. <laughs> no part two yeah, part part twos are pretty rare. You know. Yeah, in <laughs> um, yeah and I have to agree.
0: Mannequins are freaking creepy. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if they're I mean, honestly, clothes probably aren't as creepy as unclothed. <laughs> you know, walking, yeah. through, walking through a store, you know, um, it, it's it's yeah. a little what's, not not jarring. I don't know if jarring's the word. Yeah. Um, yeah. It makes you a little uneasy, I guess. It does.
1: Uh, it does. Yeah. They
0: Only have eyes.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. No. It's like these, it's these giant Ken dolls that are just kind of watching you from wherever you are, you
0: know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, it,
0: uh, what uh, is it? I Am Legend
1: with Will Smith when
0: uh, mm-hmm. he's a mannequin friend and then you know, all of a sudden he's like in a different spot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I like that. It could be that's where the, novel, the novella comes from. I don't know. I, I did like that opening <laughs> to that movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so can, can you give a hint, um, you know, kind of, kind of I guess what we can expect next and I, know you said it's, it's a little bit under wraps and so forth, but you know, do you have some more, some more slashers in mind or, um, you know, are you I ready? do
1: There's I should have another slasher out next summer. I can't, I'm not allowed to say the title out loud yet, except for when I'm not on a microphone, you know, then I can say it all I want, I guess, but, um, I, I can't announce it. I should say I can't sneak yeah. it out. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a slasher and it's just it's it's Jason and Freddie and Michael just turned up to eighty, you know. I gotcha. Um any uh, any any books you've read recently that you'd recommend? You know, um yeah, The Luminous Dead, Caitlin um Starling. Is that her name? Caitlin Starling? Yeah, Caitlin Starling, I think. Luminous Dead, it's a science fiction novel about a caver on another planet, and I love caves, and I love science fiction, and it's also horror, so it's like everything I like in one place. If they would have included some beef jerky, it would have been the dream experience, you know? Um, Let me think. Oh, I just read um, Carmen Mikado's The Lolo Woods comic book, the first six issues of that comic book. It may be the only six issues. I'm not sure if it's going to go further or not. It's in Joe Hill's um, Hill House line at DC, and man, that is that is some really good horror. I was completely impressed with that. I could not have been more impressed. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to look that one up. But I, mm-hmm.
0: I, uh, I, you know, I read Lock and Key and that kind of got me like really into reading comics mm-hmm. and I, and I kind of got on with Image to read a lot of their newer stuff and just kind of yeah. slacked off. But, you know, I, I read, you know, like witches and stuff. Uh, uh,
1: yeah. Snyder, Snyder wrote witches. Yeah. yeah Scott Snyder and Jock Yeah. Josh drew it, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and that kind of stuff like, really got, I mean, that kind of got me into reading like Colin Bunn, um, uh, mm-hmm. others. Um, but yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll check that out. I, I
1: love, I love horror, uh, and, yeah. and, comics and, and graphic novels for sure. Yeah. So. And, and Col- Colin Bunn, he's a go-to man. That guy, he knows horror and he knows comics as well as anybody. And I'm so impressed with every one of his pieces, like really probably my two of my favorite writers in comic books right now are Colin Bunn and, um, Jeff Lemire, those are two of yes. my favorites. Yes. Yes. You know ben, ben Percy too. Ben Percy's killing it on Wolverine. Right now he killed it on Green Arrow for a while, and now he's killing it on Wolverine. Yeah. yeah, and Jeff, uh Jeff's still
0: working on Gideon Falls, right? Isn't that? Isn't that the? the I new think so. Movie? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think he's like twenty or twenty-four deep yeah. into that one. Um, yeah. Like I said, I mean, it's it's just it's it's insane, kind of what you can find uh, out there that you know. Mm-hmm you don't even have to read novels. I mean, you can be scared to death. I mean, especially with the pictures and stuff, they throw
1: in those. Um, yeah. Uh, got a question for you. Uh, what horror novels gave you chills? Oh man, all of them really. Um, probably one of my scariest reads was Sarah Graham's come closer. I think it's maybe from 2006. And I think Paul Tremblay is the one who told me to read that back forever ago. And that novel just gets under my skin. I've read it, I don't know, probably six or eight times. And every time I read it, I leave unsettled and disturbed and suspicious of everything around me. And that's exactly what horror should do for us. I think it should sensitize us to our um our world, you know? And mm-hmm. come come closer does that for me a hundred percent. I think
0: I think I grabbed that one not too long ago. I think it was like a Kindle deal or something. And you know, everybody always reads that Tremblay Trimblay is actually the reason that I read Long uh, Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, Yeah, I so I actually I, I know. A mutual friend of his that that uh, is also a horror writer. I don't know if you've ever heard of um, Hank Early. Uh, yeah, Brian. John Mantooth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we we kind of got to talk, and that's that's kind of how we yeah. met. Talking about Tremblay, um, yeah. but uh, but yeah, I mean that it, it's just it's it's crazy how things link up that way. So, yeah, yeah. He, he, i feel like he's always pushing books and
1: <laughs> yeah you know no, paul's, paul's a wonderful he's a wonderful like hub because he Paul is he reads a lot you know and he remembers what he reads too i don't always remember what i read um but yeah but john or or you know hank early i think i blurbed his um first collection if i'm not mistaken it really and really impressed me i really liked the, the, the box.
0: shoebox train rack.
1: yep yeah yeah
0: yeah i uh i read his first um Oh gosh, I can't even think of the the name of the trilogy. And I've got the books over here: Heaven's Cricket and uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and I've and I've got the the other two books by him. But yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's 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 always fun finding you know kind of new writers. But it's it just so happened that he was a uh, so he's he teaches at a middle school here locally, and I was a uh, mm-hmm. I was a substitute teacher for several months, and actually mm-hmm. I was one of his subs for a little bit, and that's kind of how we met. And, oh, cool. So yeah, it's a small world. <laughs> um well man, uh, I know we've been going for about about fifty minutes now. Um is there any, any last minute things you wanna you wanna tell the audience or uh,
1: you know anything um, that brought up? You know, I guess I'll just say buy from independent bookstores, you know, keep keep the industry going. Yeah, especially with, with how everything's going right now for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I think I've got one last one for you. Uh what is what is what have been some of your favorite books of this year?
1: Of this year, um Grady's the Southern Book Club's guide to slaying vampires, Paul's Survivor Song. Um, I just read um, um, Sherry Demoline's Empire of Wild, which was a take on the werewolf, which I had not read. And really, really cool. Um, Rebecca Roanhorse's upcoming Black Sun is amazing. Josh's Mallory is, um, blew me away. Like I I couldn't imagine that he kept the world unfolding in in that cool way. I was really, really impressed with that. Um, Like I said, The Luminous Dead. Man, I've read so much. I can't. Those are the ones I remember right offhand. Anyways,
0: yeah. Hey, hey, you're better than most. I, I ask favorite reads. I usually have to do it before we go on chat because people are like, <laughs> in like five minutes. I gotta go find them. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And, yeah. and I have to agree. I haven't, I haven't read a couple of those, but I read Survivor Song uh, mm-hmm. back in January, uh, and then of course Mallory. I think in March. Um, mm-hmm. just, those books are absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I've been meaning to get to uh, Southern Book Club. Uh, just, yeah. just, just just the premise of it alone <laughs> makes me want yeah. it. So, oh. um, and I've and I've heard a lot of great things about Grady's work. So,
1: yeah, no, Grady's he's really good. He's really meticulous. And um, by the time you see a book, it's probably you've probably seen a third of what he's written, you know, um, right. You only see, you only seeing the good stuff. I mean, it's probably all good, but what he thinks is good anyways, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, Steven,
0: uh, I appreciate you coming on chatting uh, chat Women tonight. Uh, it's, it's always great talking to you about books, um, especially Night of the mannequins. Again, it comes out on Tuesday. Uh, definitely go out and grab it, uh, you know, in paperback or an ebook. Um, again, it's from tour.com and then we'll be looking forward to, uh, to your next slasher. Uh, hopefully we can hear a little bit more about it sooner rather than later.
1: <laughs> Thank you, man. Thanks, thanks for having me on. It was great talking.
0: Absolutely. You enjoy the rest of your week.
1: Take it easy, man.